0: Are one heartbeat away from eternity. And the Bible teaches that if you leave this walk of life having rejected Christ as Savior, your only hope is the devil's hell. I'm here to tell you that does not have to be the case. I'm here to tell you Jesus has paid the price for your sin. I'm here to tell you He loves you so much, He came to save you. And the Bible says if you'll trust in Him, you can be born again into the family of God. Understand the gravity of your situation, unbeliever. I can't see how you can help but worry if you really understand where you are before God who is holy. I was talking to some pastor friends of mine years ago. We were having a pastor's breakfast. We used to do that once a week. And man, it was such a blessing to me. We'd just get together and try to encourage one another and edify one another, pray for one another. And one of the brothers was asking prayer for a lost family member that had, that had stood in rejection of the Lord. And he said this. He said, I just don't see how people make it who don't know Jesus. And one of the other pastors spoke up and said, brother, how do you know they are? Let me tell you what I think he meant by that, what I know he meant by that. People who don't know the Lord, they put up a false front like everything's okay and they, they try their best to make it through life and just do the best they can and they're trying every day just to get by, but deep down on the inside there's an emptiness that can only be filled with the Lord Jesus Christ. They know they like the peace that passes all understanding. Listen, they know that they are not ready to meet their Maker. They know they're not ready to face eternity. and The truth is, they can't help but worry. <laughs> he said, Brother, how do you know that? Well, I know that because I used to be there. I can, I can remember times in my life, man, when I would lay awake at night in my bed and absolutely tremble at the thought of facing God before I woke up the next morning. Knowing I would die and bust hell wide open. Folks, I am thankful this morning for the grace of God. I'm thankful that I can tell you beyond the shadow of any doubt this morning. If I die before I leave this service today, if I drop dead as I'm preaching this sermon, don't you worry about me because the moment I leave this walk of life, I'll be more alive than I've ever been. My last breath on earth will be followed by my first breath in heaven. You say, brother, is that because you're a preacher? Nope. Is that because you read the word of God? Nope. Is that because you try to do good things? Nope. Listen, it's simply because I've trusted in the finished work of Jesus. And he gave me salvation as a free gift by his grace through my faith. And the same can be true for you. The same Jesus who has saved me can and will save you. You can trade in your worry and realize God's peace through a relationship with the Prince of Peace. Amen? Worry is a problem for the believer. It's the prerogative of an unbeliever. But now let me say something to you. Prayer is powerful. And what Paul says right here is first of all to the believer, worry, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Now let me give you two statements about prayer before we go any further. First of all, you need to understand that prayer is our greatest privilege. It is. Let me tell you what I know to be true. How many of you believe this morning that God is faithful to his word? If he promises it, you can believe it. Let me tell you what he promises in 1 John 5, 14. That if we ask anything in accordance to his will, he hears us. That means every time you you pray according to the will of God, he hears you. God is listening for our prayer. And how many of you believe what Ephesians 3.20 says? That our God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think. So the God who is listening is the God who is able. And when we choose to pray, the hand of God is moved on our behalf. I'll tell you this. I know that I would not be the pastor at Mount Zion Baptist Church this morning without the prayers of a mama who loved me. Not just my mama, but uh, several other brothers and sisters in Christ who continually prayed on my behalf that God would reach down and save my soul. I'm thankful for the prayers of the people of God because prayer changes things. And if you've got a lost loved one that you know needs Jesus, let me tell you the first step of them coming to Christ. Get concerned enough to get on your face and ask God the Holy Spirit to convict their heart like He once convicted your heart. Pray for them. Man, when we pray, God chooses to listen and he's able to answer. Prayer is our greatest privilege. The Bible says in Hebrews four sixteen that we can come boldly to the throne of grace to find help in our time of need. Can you say amen? Now, I'm glad I get to pray for you this morning. I love praying for people. It's one of my great privileges as a pastor. I pray for you when you don't even know it. Hey, listen, every morning at nine o'clock, what I try to do is visualize in my mind the different pews in this church and where everybody sits because you know how we are. We're creatures of habit. We pretty much always want to sit in the same place. And so what I try to do, I'll just think and go down the pew and say, Lord, bless this family and what you're doing. And Lord, I can see what you're doing in their life. And I'm just asking you, God, you would continue that work and they'd keep growing in you and they'd keep loving you and they'd keep serving you. And Father, help their kids and Father, help their marriage and do the work that only you can do in their life. And God, may you be honored and glorified through them. Lord, they've got problems that they've told me about. them, And I want to pray for this problem they've got. And We go down the pew every morning at 9. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We can do that all the time. Why? Because the Bible says we can come boldly to the throne of grace. I'm glad I get to pray for you. But now let me tell you something. Listen to me now. Do you know you can go straight to the top? You don't have to have Brother Israel to pray for you. You don't have to go through a man. You can go right to God himself when you become bold. And listen, go into the throne room yourself and find help in the time of need. Praise the Lord. It's a great privilege to be able to pray. I heard a story one time about a young soldier who was given a new detail of being the guard outside the White House uh, during the presidency of uh, Abraham Lincoln. He was standing outside uh, the door. True story. He's standing outside the door, just had been given the job, and he had been told by a superior officer, Listen, son, this is a very important job. Look, nobody should get in this White House that shouldn't be in here. If they don't have the proper credentials, if they don't have a, an appointment to meet with the president, then they don't get through the front door and make sure you check everybody out. And so the young soldier was standing there at guard one day, and he sees a little boy run off Pennsylvania Avenue up the sidewalk there, headed up the pathway to the uh, to the White House. And little boy's running just as fast as he can run. And like little boys sometimes can do, he slip the, the guard that was standing by the door. You know how that his parents. Man, it happens all the time at my house. He runs right past the guard, runs right up the, into the White House and into the Oval Office. And when he runs in, uh, the guard is right on his heels. I mean, fastly approaching. And it, when he runs into the, the Oval Office, the first thing that said is the guard. He says, Mr. President, I'm so sorry. He got past me at the doorway and I'm going to get him out of here as fast as I can. And President Lincoln spoke up and said, "Oh, no, well, listen, young man, I want you to know I appreciate that you take your job seriously. And I'm thinking that you're doing a good job and you're keeping people out that needs to be out and you're letting people in that needs to be in. He said, but I want to tell you something. This little boy can come into my office whenever he chooses, no matter who's in here, no matter what's going on. He can always come into my office because this little boy is my son. Now listen to me. The Bible says in Romans eight seventeen. That we've not been given the spirit of of fear again to bondage. But we have been given the spirit of adoption. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And because we are his sons and daughters. We can come boldly to the throne of grace. Any time we choose. What a privilege it is to pray. Prayer is certainly our greatest privilege. But let me give you the next statement. Listen to me now. Prayer is many times our greatest failure. Isn't it? Think about it. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But is there anybody in this place this morning who says, You know what, brothers? I pray all I need to. Sometimes I want to kick myself after having experienced the sweet fellowship with the Lord that I experience in prayer because I hadn't done it sooner. I'm talking about those times in my life when it's just me and the Lord. And I speak to Him about what's going on with me and through that still small voice, yes, He speaks to me. Amen. Amen. I'm talking about having church outside the building. I'm talking about those sweet times of fellowship with the Lord. I'm talking about God doing something that only God can do. Folks, listen to me. I want to kick myself because I don't do it more. I don't take advantage of that great privilege. Now, why don't we pray more than we do? I'll tell you what I believe. As a pastor, I've been asked, many questions about prayer and rightly so can anybody in here tell me that they completely understand how prayer works if i'm honest i don't i've got a lot of questions concerning prayer maybe you do too one question, that, and I mean, because I think we've got a lot of questions concerning prayer, I think a lot of times we choose not to pray because we really don't understand what prayer is and how prayer works. and Because ultimately, prayer is an act of faith. You know that. But because we don't understand everything about it, we choose not to do it. And folks, when we do that, we miss out on the great privilege of spending that time with the Lord. Of actually having our needs met. Because the Bible says if we have not. We have not why? Because we ask not. So we do ourselves a great disservice. When we choose not to pray. Even though we might not understand everything about prayer. Let me see if I can illustrate it for you. How many of you like a big juicy steak? Praise the Lord. I love. That's my favorite thing. When it's cooked just right. A little bit of pink in the center. Juicy seasoned to perfection with a big old tablespoon of butter on the top of it, just drizzling over it. I, I tried my best to go to one of my favorite places to eat yesterday. I had it on my mind all the way to Russell. I was going to those eat places. You ever been up there? I'm going to tell you what, one of the best steaks you'll ever put in your mouth. And I've never in my life. It's so good. And all the way up there, I'm thinking, man, I can't wait to get there. That's where we eat eating lunch. It didn't open until 5 o'clock. <laughs> Broke my heart. I walked in there. there wasn't nobody. The door was open for some reason. I walk all the way back to the kitchen. The cook looks up and almost cuts himself when he was up there cutting something on the cutting board because he wasn't expecting anybody to be there. I said, hey man, y'all open? <laughs> he said, you're about three hours short. We'll open at five. But it's one of the best places I've ever had a steak. Love it. Great steaks. But I'm not a doctor. I don't know how that steak is broken down in my body and sent to the right places it needs to be sent to so that my body's, my body might have the nutrients it needs to perform like it needs to perform. Because ultimately, that's what food is. It's fuel for our body, right? Now, I don't know how all that works. I don't. But let me tell you this. That don't keep me from eating a good steak. I'm not going to miss out on the privilege Of eating a good steak because I don't realize and understand just how all of it works in my body. And the same is true for prayer. Just because you don't fully understand everything about it don't mean you shouldn't take advantage of the great privilege. Because God says that's how he chooses to meet our needs. To fellowship with us when we choose to pray. Now listen. A lot of people say this. This is one of the questions they always have about prayer. I've heard this over and over and over again, so I'm going to do my best to give us to help maybe help us all understand a little bit more according to the word of God of what prayer does and how we we should we should use it. Now listen to me. A lot of people ask this. They say, "Pastor, why do I need to pray if God already knows what I need before I ask him?" That's a good question because they're right. God does know exactly what we need. Take your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Matthew. Jesus says something in Matthew six, verses seven and eight. Brothers, if you will, please, put that on the screen for me. Matthew chapter six. Verse number seven, verse number eight, to set the stage for you, Jesus, is actually preaching about the scribes and Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, and he's cautioning his disciples that they shouldn't be praying like they're praying because they prayed to hear themselves pray. They prayed uh, in a way that was not pleasing unto the Lord. So Jesus makes this plain. Look what he says, Matthew chapter 6, verse number 7. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard of their much speaking. Be ye not therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask Him. Everybody look at the last part of that verse. Before we even ask God, God knows what we need. We looked last week at uh, Psalm 139. If you remember in Psalm 139, the Bible says that God is omniscient. It says that God knows what we're going to speak before we speak it. He knows the words and intents of our heart. So there's nothing we're going to say that God doesn't already know, so why do we pray? Well, let me tell you, give you uh, two things that we know prayer doesn't do. First of all, we don't pray to impress people. And more importantly, we don't pray to impress God. We don't pray to impress, period. Amen. That's why Jesus says, don't pray with those vain repetitions. Don't pray with those flowery words like uh, the heathen used to try to impress people and ultimately impress their God. Sometimes I think we do the same thing, don't we? All of us do it. We, get, we fall into that habit of using vain repetition. We fall into the habit uh, of trying to maybe sound uh, um, uh, high and mighty and, and give God uh, an impression of not really like we are. And, and Jesus said, don't do that. Because really what God wants from me and what God wants for you is real. He just wants you to be real. Real and raw and who you are. Amen. Amen. That's what the Lord wants. Years ago, there was a dear brother in my church. Hadn't been saved long, been saved about six or eight months. And I'm telling you, the Lord was just absolutely blessing him in leaps and bounds. He is growing in Jesus. He's just overwhelmed by the love of God. Don't you like being around people like that? That's infectious. That's, that's contagious. You want that when you're around somebody like that. When, when you're around them and the, the word of God is just pouring from them, right? There's just such a sweet spirit about that person in general. They they lift you up instead of bring you down. Can you say amen? That kind of guy he was. Man, I just thought the world of him and and still do, still do. But I remember one um, Sunday morning after service, I I felt led to, to ask him to pray. You know, I didn't think anything about it. I, I was dismissing the service. I called on him, and and whenever I called on him, I knew that I'd made a big mistake because I saw the look on his face. He turned just as white as a sheet. I mean, all the color left his body. And he started to try to pray, and nothing would come out. He just couldn't say anything. And I thought, oh, my gosh, man, what have I done, you know? And so he, he looks over to a, a brother beside him and said, would you pray for me? And so that man prayed. After the service... I was standing at the back of the church greeting people as they was leaving. He walks up and he says, Brother Israel, I'm so sorry. He said, I did not mean any disrespect. I didn't try to hinder anything. He said, man, I just can't pray in front of people. And I said, "Bro, let's talk about this. So we went back to my office. I said, first of all, I want you to understand and know, you don't have to use flowery, flowery. I can't even say flowery. <laughs> my speech ain't too flowery. You, you don't have to use that type of speech for God to hear you. Amen. You don't have to use those vain repetitions for God to listen to what you have to say. See, he was just a country boy who loved Jesus. How many know there ain't nothing wrong with that? And he was just real. He said, I don't know how to say the words that I hear people say and I don't use that type of language and I just don't know enough to pray in public. I said, brother, let me tell you something. What God wants from you is for you just to pour your heart out to him. And what God wants from you is just to be real in that moment. And I went and read to him in the book of Psalms what the Bible says about how David, the man after God's own heart, listen what he would do. When he was sad, he'd tell God he was sad. When he was mad, he'd tell God he was mad. Listen to me. When he was rejoicing and he was happy, he'd tell God all about it then. And God said, that's the man after my own heart, for that man has got a real relationship with me. Amen? And that's what God wants from us. That real relationship. And it starts with being real in your prayer life. And so Jesus said, you don't have to use those vain repetitions. and You don't have to talk big. Just talk and be who you are. Because that's what God wants. God knows your heart. Let me, let me see if I can illustrate this for you. I've got a great relationship with my children. I love them dearly. And a lot of that is due to the fact that I talk, try to talk to them every day in some way. Either by, If it's not in words, I don't see my oldest like I used to. She don't live in my house anymore. But even though I don't talk to her maybe every day with words, I, I, I'll uh, text her on the phone, just tell her how much I love her, you know. And, and, and she does the same with me. That's, that's something that, that I want to keep up. I want to keep that communication going, can you say amen? That's what builds and cultivates that relationship. And I'm glad I've got that with all three of my kids. Me and my son have a great relationship. We talk about things all the time. He tells me stuff about what's going on in his life and I tell him stuff about what's going on in my life. And you know when my son talks to me, he talks to me like a friend. Even though, even though I'm his father, yes, he shows me respect and he shows me reverence and I'm thankful for that. But when he speaks to me, he speaks to me like a friend talking to another friend. Now in the morning, If I got up and said, good morning, son, how you doing? If Gabe said to me, oh, thou father. I've slept fantastically. I pray that as you leave today, father, you have a blessed and wonderful day. And I'm going to do my utmost to do the same. Now, if he said that to me, I'd think it was crazy. <laughs> that ain't how he talks, right? And I know that ain't how he talks. Now, if Gage wouldn't do that to me, and you wouldn't do that with your physical mother and father, then why in the world we want to do it with our heavenly Father? Just be real. Yes, show reverence. Yes, show respect. But the Bible says God is your friend. Do you know that? Abraham, the father of faith, was called the friend of God. And now all those who've placed their faith in Jesus, too, are called friends of God. Jesus, as a matter of fact, said, I call you not servants, but friends. For I'm making known to you what my heavenly Father is saying. The servant don't have any idea what the master says. I'm giving you all of it. It's what Jesus said. I'm not treating you like servants. I'm treating you like friends. And we ought to do the same with the Lord. Just be real. We don't pray to impress God. Let me tell you something else. We don't pray to inform God. Jesus said right here, God already knows what you're going to say before you say it, what you need before you ask of it. We're not praying to let God know something. We're never going to let God know something. So why do we pray? If we don't pray to impress God, we don't pray to inform God, let me tell you this. Listen to me now. This is good. We pray to invite God. We invite God to do exactly what He wants to do in our situation. And we trust His will in that for we know His will is the best way. Amen? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, brother, if you will, please put that on the screen for me. Watch what this says. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 1. When as we then, watch this now, I, every time I read this, I feel like shouting. We then, as workers together with him, besweet you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. What's Paul saying? As children of God, we are workers together with God. We have the great privilege of being a part of what God is doing in this earth. Amen. That's amazing to me. Again, God does not need us. But he wants us. So much so, he showed us grace and mercy through the person of his son. That's how much he wanted you. He didn't need you. He didn't need me. He still don't. I've come to realize, listen, the things of God are going to go along just fine without me. It's the truth. But I'm so very thankful God sees fit to use me and allow me to be partners together with him. Prayer is a huge part of that. We're inviting God to do what he wants in our life. Uh, Sister Janet Alexander used to say something that I've never forgotten. She would always say, God is such a gentleman. God, many times, will wait until we ask to be a part of our situation. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I think a big reason for that is God gives us time to show us that we can't do it ourselves. We'll talk about that in just a moment. God gives us time to realize we need him desperately. And so we invite God to be a part of what's going on with us. And we become workers together with him. Years ago, I had an old Mustang. I've had several of them. That used to be my my pastime. That's what I did all the time is work on old Mustangs. I've always loved them. I had several of them. And I had one years ago that I just bought and was fixing it up and actually putting some fog lights in it. I'll never forget it. Gage was about, I don't know, Three, maybe four years old and I'm laying out in the driveway up under this car putting those fog lights on and he walks out of the house with his handy manny tool apron on y'all remember handy manny it was either handy manny or what's the other one Bob the Builder you know he had all the Bob the Builder and handy manny stuff and the tools and he comes walking out with his toolbox and his, and his apron on and climbs up on that car with me and he's wanting to help me work on the car that I'm working on and the whole time he's wrenching on stuff that don't need to be wrenched on And he's taking stuff out that didn't need to be took out. But let me tell you this. There ain't a person in this world that I would want to have under that car working on that and accomplishing that purpose more than my son. Even though I could have probably got the job done quicker without him. I could have probably done the job better if he wasn't sometimes getting ahead of me and Doing things that didn't need to be done yet. Or getting behind me and not doing what I told him to do. But what a blessing it was to get to do the work with him. Are you seeing what I'm saying? The same is true with us in the Lord. We are partners together with him. And when we pray, we invite him to be a part of what's going on with us. Now, what does that do? It provides fellowship. Fellowship. I get to fellowship with the Lord. Listen, folks. Many times, prayer doesn't just change things. All the time, prayer changes me. Why? Because I get to spend time with Him. And that makes all the difference. Fellowship cultivates relationship. And we fellowship through prayer. Now, listen to me. Get a hold of this. Not only does prayer provide fellowship, but listen, prayer helps us to grow. How many times have you prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed about something until you realize maybe there's something in your life that needs to be gotten out like unconfessed sin that's maybe hindering your prayer life. And so you start searching your heart, searching your mind, taking inventory of your life and see where it is that maybe you failed the Lord and not right with Him that is hindering the prayer that you're praying. Does that ever happen for you? Well, if it doesn't, it should. It should. See, I believe what God says. And the Bible says that if I ask, I can receive. Isn't that what Jesus said? Seek and you shall find. Knock and a door will be opened unto you. Ask and you shall receive. So if I'm not receiving, maybe there's something wrong on my end. Because I know God's going to keep his promise. I know I'm praying in God's will. I know I'm praying that God would do what he wants. And I know it's God's will for this to happen. Then why ain't it happening? Maybe it's me. And so I start taking inventory of myself. And when I see things that need to change, and by the grace of God it is changed, through forgiveness, confession, that helps me to grow. Prayer promotes fellowship. Prayer also promotes growth. Let me tell you something else. Prayer... Teaches us dependence upon the Lord. Because a lot of times we can get so independent, can't we? Am I the only one who hates to ask for help? I'm telling you, I hate to ask somebody to help me worse than anything else in my life. And the Lord has really convicted me over that. You know, there's nothing wrong with asking for help when you need help. That's what it means to be a part of the body of Christ, amen? We're here for one another. But sometimes I just hate doing that. I hate asking people for help for anything. And I've come to find out there's times in my life that I choose not to pray because I don't even like asking God for help. Sometimes I can get so prideful, I think I'm going to fix this myself because I feel like I'm a fixer. Right? Prayer teaches me dependence on the the Lord, which is necessary if I'm truly going to be effective. Prayer does all this for us. Philippians chapter 4. Go back and we'll close. There's a problem of worry. But there's power in prayer. Listen to what the Bible says. Finally, brethren. Excuse me, verse number 6. Be careful for nothing. Don't, don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, Let your requests be made known to God. So really what Paul does here is give us three words for prayer. He gives, first of all, prayer. And we all uh, know that that is, is the word that is commonly used to speak to the Lord about things we need to speak to Him about. But prayer here, listen to what Dr. Warren Wiersbe says. This word actually holds the meaning and the idea of adoration, devotion, and worship. And so really what I think Paul is saying is when you enter into your prayer closet, when you come before the Lord in prayer, the first thing we need to think about is adoration. That's how Jesus taught us to pray, wouldn't it? When his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, he said, first of all, you need to pray like this. Our Father which art in heaven, what's this now, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what's Jesus saying? You hallow the Lord. You give him reverence. You give him respect. You give him praise, honor, and glory. And you tell the Lord, Lord, we want your will to take place. Because we know you're in sovereign control of the heavens and the earth. The heavens are your throne, Lord. And the earth is your footstool. And Father God, we're asking that your will be done. Because your will is best. Adoration. But then he says something else. Supplication. What does that mean? That means that we come before the Lord and ask him for our needs and talk to him about our troubles. Praise God for prayer. Prayer is therapy for me. Let me tell you why. There's a lot of stuff that I struggle with that I can't talk to you about. Are you getting me? A dear pastor friend of mine said something to me years ago that stuck with me. I didn't realize it then and understand it then, but I understand it now. He said to me, he said, son, I want to tell you something. He said, pastoring is the loneliest thing you're ever going to do. I thought, how can that be? But then I began to realize, there's a lot of things that I struggle with I can't talk to you about. Because truly, if I talk to you about it, you ain't gonna listen to me when I'm up here preaching. <laughs> this just the truth, cause we're human. Cause we're human. Now you you may think you would, you may try to, but it's gonna hinder that. Can't help but hinder it. So you know what I do? I cast it on the Lord. That's okay. He's the one who can help. So I give it to him. I cast my care upon him. I tell him my needs, my wants, my problems, my failures, my struggles. Does he know it? Yeah. But listen, he wants me to spend that sweet fellowship with him, giving it all to him, just laying it all on the table. That's supplication. But then he says this, thanksgiving. That's appreciation. I saw a church sign here a while back. It said, if you woke up in the morning and all you had was what you gave thanks for today, what would you have? I like that. A lot of stuff on church signs I don't like. Sometimes I think, I wish somebody would bulldoze that church sign. That's the most ridiculous stuff I'm seeing ever. But I like that. Listen, folks. It's important that we show the Lord appreciation for what he's done. Let's not just bring God a grocery list. Yeah, he wants your grocery list. That's why he says, supplication. He wants your grocery list, and it's good to give it to him, show dependence upon the Lord, but also tell him how much you appreciate what you already have, what he has done for you. What he is doing for you. Thank him for what he's going to do for you. Look forward in faith. Let me ask you something, parents. Do you like giving good things to your children? Do you? I love that. I love that. Man, I want to give them good stuff. I can't wait for Christmas. Because I like giving them good stuff. Amen? Amen? Nothing wrong with that. But let me ask you. Does it hurt you just a little bit when they don't say thank you? I mean, when, you, when you're sitting around that Christmas tree on Christmas morning and there's paper strolled from one end of the house to the other, and you've just spent your paycheck that you worked hard on, hard for, to buy some toys that you're going to throw away in three months... Just to see them smile and have a good Christmas morning, and they don't say thank you, what's that make you feel like? I'm going to tell you, sometimes I want to have a come to Jesus meeting right there on Christmas morning. How do you think God feels? Show appreciation. And the Bible says then in verse 7 Watch. And the peace of God passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What's that mean? The problem of worry is finished by the power of prayer. When we invite God to be a part of what's going on in our life. Amen? Worry about nothing. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Everybody stand together. Maybe there's some things in your heart and life that you need to pray about this morning. This altar is set aside just for that purpose. Maybe you're here today and you've realized through the course of this sermon, in Sunday school, whatever the case may be, that, hey, you just need to be saved. You know that. God's dealing with your heart. The Holy Spirit of God's tugging at your spirit right now. And you know... Today is the day of salvation for you. Well, listen, don't reject that. Remember, you are one heartbeat away. Don't play games with eternity. Trust in Jesus. Oh, listen, he's got a purpose and a plan for you. He's got abundant life for you now. He's got peace that passes all understanding now. He's got joy unspeakable and full of glory now. He's got purpose now. You can receive him now. Do that if you need to today. Maybe you're here and you've prayed about it. You know this is where God wants you to serve. It's time for you to join this church. Guess what? Be submissive to the will of the Lord. Don't resist that. Do what God wants. Maybe you're here and you just want to come pray for a lost loved one. A certain situation in your life. These altars are always open. I'd love to pray with you, pray for you. Whatever you need, this invitation is for you. God is so good today. He is so good today. When, when there's, there's it's just amazing how the Lord does things. And many times God will just give me verses that just jump off the page. Or certain phrases I hear that just, man, it like it bores into my mind and I can't get rid of it. And I had one this morning. When we were singing that song, the second song we sang for worship, I lay down all lesser things for greater gain. It's just like God took his two before and went right upside my head with it. Why? Whatever you're putting before your relationship to God, whatever's hindering your relationship to God is a lesser thing. You can't experience God's best having idols before Him. I lay down all lesser things for greater gain. Won't you do it today? Don't wait. This invitation is for you, brother. Play for us.